1: Here in Denver, Uh, we've had some crazy, crazy weather, so I hope around the world everybody is doing fairly well. Today, I wanted to talk about a difficult, difficult subject, and that is when a person with advanced dementia, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Lewy body, or frontal temporal, dies. Because this is something nobody ever walks us through. Nobody ever helps us with identifying the dying process. And we have what we call the long goodbye when someone passes with Alzheimer's or, like I said, these other various dementias. Because when we get the diagnosis to a degree, we start grieving the loss of the person that we know, the nuances, the intelligence, the warmth, the intimacy, the the wonderful characteristics that make up the person that we love. And I can tell you that dying is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) It is not, and not for family members, that are working through this, that are trying to understand what is happening. And so I thought it might benefit all of you today if I went through what happens. How do we know when the end is nearing? How can we address the issues of somebody actively in the process of dying? And a lot of times we see it in the form of the person is sleeping a lot. Um, Not just sleeping, you know, but, but trying, you know, trying to recognize those things. What are the final chapters of that person's life? You know, whether it's weeks, months, or years, what is it? they don't always just sleep more it's it's sometimes um a uh, lower food intake and, and things like that what is crazy about the person's disease progression is that we see a lot of different uh, symptoms different issues that sort of come to play where they might um, talk a lot. They may talk not at all. Um, Extreme incontinence. The fear to initiate a conversation because they can't answer your questions. So they just kind of lay there and stare at you. So... What kinds of things could we see? What do we, what do we recognize ourselves in that person? Right. Um, we may see that they are not recognizing themselves in the mirror any longer. Um, they don't know who they are any longer. We could play music for them. We could hold their hands. We can talk to them and they don't seem to recognize us or their surroundings, there's a lot of pain with that. There's a lot of pain and sorrow when that person is no longer communicative or they don't recognize you as a family member. It can be really, really tough. And when do we say there's nothing else we can do? Is it when they're nonverbal? Is it um, when, when we see that they can't get out of bed? Is it when they are just sitting and staring for hours on end? Is it when they have lost a lot of weight? This is typically when we would bring in hospice to help guide us through these situations. And hospice is not there just for the person or to support the staff. Hospice is there to help guide you through the dying process. When the person starts becoming dehydrated, when they are turning a little bit grayish in their color or purplish, um, they are there to walk you through what the aspirations might sound like or what could happen when the person actually dies and their body uh, after about 15 to 20 minutes will start to jump and move and they lose bodily function and things like that after they have passed away. These are things that people don't expect. These are things that they don't they don't know is going to happen and can be very very scary. And even the process of just having someone stare at you, that eye contact is so critical. It's so critical. You need to talk slowly, speak slowly, look them in the eye, be very clear in your enunciation. Try to keep a a multitude of visitors away. Try not to have too many people in the room so that they can focus. There's no need for overload there. Um, Pay attention if they're fatigued or if they're, you know, trying to gauge – you know, how upset you are or, you know, how, how they're. you're trying to really gauge what their energy level is at this point in time. And it's interesting because hearing is believed to be the last sense to fade. People can hear you when you're talking to them. So don't Assume because they're staring off into space or they have their eyes closed or they're not moving, that they don't hear you. So it's really important not to say anything negative about their condition. Keep your conversation very positive. Hold their hand. Tell them the things that you need to say to say goodbye. Be very, very careful not to say something that would be hurtful because the essence of that person is still there. It's absolutely still there. And they may, may listen and hear and take in what you're saying. This is why it's often important to tell someone that it's okay to go. If you think that they have been in a situation where they're not speaking they're not eating they're they're sleeping a good portion of the time maybe 80 to 90% of the time and you want to tell them that that it's okay to go and and sometimes those words are hard to say it's hard to say we're at the end of the road life is over I'm never going to see you again. Sometimes that's just too painful, especially for spouses where you have been with this person, maybe they've been in a care community, a memory unit for three or four years, and you're just not ready to let go. You've done everything in your power to take care of them, to help them with those last couple of years, visiting them day in and day out because it is um, just your way of doing everything that you can do to try to take care of them and cope with the disease. And, And the dying process can sometimes make us question our beliefs, our theological beliefs, our belief in God. You know, this isn't the deal we made. A gracious and a kind God wouldn't have given them this disease in the first place. Thoughts like that. That is actually okay. It's okay to question the universe, your higher power. You can be angry. You can be sad about that. My best suggestion for you is to deal with that grief and recognize what is making you upset or angry and and really work through that. The grieving process is is a difficult one. I've had a whole show on it a few weeks ago and I encourage you to go back and listen to that show about how to work through the grieving process. That's not what I'm going to talk about today. Today I'm going to talk about more of uh, what are we looking for, what are what are the signs, how is this manifesting itself, um, how am I going to deal with this emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, how am I going to deal with the loss, right? So one of the things you can do is write things down about that person. Write things down about – their life and who they were for the last four or five, maybe even ten years, they've had these symptoms of the disease that have made them appear like someone else, behave differently, behave angrily, behave um, unexpectedly. But that's not who they were. Write down information about them that you don't want to forget about who they were as a person. What did you what did you love about them while they were alive? I, I think that really helps. And if you can maintain a sense of humor, if you can look for the funny things, the joyful things, I highly recommend that. Uh, my mom was incredibly funny. She told a joke every time she called me on the phone, um, every time she would meet you in person. She'd have a joke ready. Um... Those are kind of important things to remember because it takes sometimes four to five, maybe even six years after they have passed for you to remember them before they were ill. So if you can get their voice recorded, if you can go through photo albums and pull out pictures of them um, when they were much younger and when they were healthy, Those kinds of things are really, really important. I mean, I I just think that that's, that's one of the things that we might forget as the person is dying. We get so worried about being there. If you're sitting there for hours and hours with that person... Get a box of all those photos that you've wanted to put into photo albums for years, the ones that we took when Polaroids were still around and not not just on our phone. And uh, as you're sitting there with them for hours on end during this process, that's a great time for you to get a couple of scrapbooks or photo albums from a bookstore or a Michaels or a Hobby Lobby or or someplace like that, and fill those books up with pictures of them while you're sitting there. I mean, that will help ease the hours in a huge way. And from a physical standpoint from the person that is actively dying, that's a great time for you to evaluate what medications they really need. Uh, Keep their joints kind of nourished so that they're comfortable. If there's something you could give them like an Aleve or something that that makes that feel better or, um, you know, the CBT oils or something like that or the, the little bites of food that you can get might help them to be a little bit more comfortable. You can give massages. You can massage their hands. You can massage their legs, their arms, their neck. Um, you know, play music for them, things like that. Anything you can to make sure that they are comfortable and happy. I, I think music is a fabulous medium to maybe have jazz music or classical music or, or you know, uh, classic rock or folk music or whatever it is, their favorite radio station, playing regularly. I think that's a that's a great idea. Just to make sure that they are comfortable, and and they may make some groaning noises or some noises that show that they are enjoying it. Just like mmm's or ohs or whatever they are. Look for those kinds of things. Also, maintain their nutrition until they can't take any more. Keep keep giving them uh, drinks. Give them. Uh, have have ice cubes at the ready. Keep their lips moist. Um, if you can use a straw and have them take um, fluids that way, that's a terrific thing to do. If you need to, you can have fluids um, intravenously. If they're not, you know, within a day or two of passing, and the staff will generally know, doctors generally know. If your person's at home, um, you would look for all these signs as well. But uh, if you have um, if you have the ability to have hospice come in, they could guide you through how close are we. Are we a day or two? Or are we a week? Right? And just know that you're not selfish if you take care of yourself during this time. Please do not be a martyr. You know, it is a gift to others (laughs) and yourself. If you accept help, people wanting to take your place at the hospital or the house or the nursing home, you know, for a couple of hours or go have lunch, take a nap, take a hot shower or a bath, get away from the immediacy of the situation and the trauma for just a little bit so that you don't wear yourself down and end up in a hospital or get sick or anything like that. This is a time of grief and letting go. And loved ones experience a loss of many things, many, many things, a spouse, a parent, a friend, a companion. You know, retirement, travel, enjoyment of grandchildren, and a, and the loss of someone who's no longer who they were and who we knew and even for ourselves. And that's that is an excellent reason to bring in hospice because they can offer so many levels of care and non-care. They don't rush death, and they're not trying to stop it either. Uh, They can alleviate pain as the body begins its final decline. But just know, and here's a real key, once they introduce morphine, they've got probably roughly less than 24 hours. When a person is actively dying, morphine shuts the body down. It shuts the system down, and it is a difficult thing to watch. Like I said a minute ago, it's not for the faint of heart, okay? So don't be afraid to ask questions or talk about your person, Um, and remember that funerals and celebrations of life are not about the, the person who died. They're really for the person who's left behind, the living people, And if you had a troubled relationship with that person anywhere along the line, your grief and guilt is going to be exponentially harder and more abundant. And nobody really wants that. You can't go back and change what you did. But you can sure take that person out in a much better way then maybe you've even communicated with them while they were alive and well. Right? I mean, that happens. And in our American culture, we have a a tendency to think that people should be back to normal in like a three-day bereavement process when you get a leave from work. But the experience of death, as a whole, really creates a whole new normal, an entirely new normal. And one thing we don't really think about in the grieving process is giving ourselves permission to enjoy life after that person has passed. Again, this is the longest goodbye ever and... We have gone through a grieving process for many, many, many years before the person actually dies. And so sometimes when that person passes away, it's a relief. It's a, it's an ending. It's a final chapter. And that's okay. You don't have to apologize for that. If you're okay at the funeral, if you're okay at the celebration of life— and people are expecting you to be tearful and all that maybe you've had your grieving final process while they were in those last few days of grieving, of dying because that that grieving is when it all sort of comes together and then then it's done then it's done you clean the room out you you move on and you know you don't have to apologize for that you don't have to account for it you don't have to qualify it for anybody the the grieving process like i said it lasts years and years with everything that person loses we grieve a little bit we we go through the grieving process of the anger of the trying to uh manage it and and uh make deals with God on on us being better people if they just let that person stay with us longer and then we've got the the sadness and then the acceptance and it just all kind of comes together in a culmination and and that last chapter finishes itself and says the end and we close that book and we kind of move on it's it's a difficult thing, and like I said, I I think for for spouses that have been in love for many many years, it's probably the most painful thing you will ever go through your life. Not that not that siblings or or you know you, you to your parents or what have you doesn't count. It it absolutely counts, but it's not um i think there's some deeper intimacy with with spouses i just think that there is and it's like probably no pain you have ever felt <laughs> i just i just would guess it is it is of an epic nature that it is hard to match and not that you would want to. I don't think you would ever want to go through that again. We're going to take a break in a minute. But when we come back, I'm going to talk about the process again through the dying the dying as as a whole. And what do you do to say goodbye? And do they hear what you say? And I'm going to talk about what doctors will say we're kind of looking for and what caregivers have said to me over the past about how that process works for them. So I'll have a lot more for you in just a minute. We're going to take a short break and listen to a word about my company.
2: And we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at Summitresiliencetraining.com for more information.
0: Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
1: Right, So I wanted to talk about some things I wrote down. I went back through my notes of in-home assessments that I provide, um, times that I've been in a community and people were talking to me in my support groups. And I, and I just made kind of a list of some of them. And so I thought I'd share, share it with you because there's some insight into some of the things that people have said when their person was dying. So, some of the things I've heard, I still don't want to say goodbye. One of my one of my support group people told me that the other day, even though his wife is in extremely late stage of Louis body, um, long before the end, and not exactly goodbye, when she did not know me, um, even 17 years after being diagnosed. I I just could not quite say goodbye. On the last day, more family members were with her, and when I was alone, I kept saying prayers and reading Bible verses to her. A lady told me that about her mom. Um, a lot of times, a minister will come in and give last rites, and so with the minister, uh, you can set, Uh, sit down and pray over and over with him and with that person. Um, Sometimes we have to go let go a little bit by bit by bit, and every change along the way, you lose a little more and you say goodbye a little more. Uh, One person told me the process of goodbye began the day he was diagnosed and is still going on. Another one said when he didn't know me and... Forgot how to swallow. That's when I knew I was saying my last goodbye. And the last day, he wasn't himself. None of the staff spoke of his dying. I never said goodbye each day. Just see you later. Because goodbye hurt too much and seemed so final. Um. Some people say I haven't yet. I I, I didn't do it. I wish I would have. I didn't say goodbye. Um, we can get some clues from the staff. Um, one person told me, the social worker told me that he only had a few hours to live, uh, took his hand, told him we all loved him and the time had come to say goodbye. He visibly relaxed and closed his eyes. It happened 20 minutes later. That was from one of my clients, Mary. Um... One person said to me, we haven't really said goodbye, but in many ways we no longer have our mom as we knew her. So I guess all along it was a goodbye. So many people have said they told their person it was okay to go. And uh, I had one person say, "When when my husband started turning gray and blue, I knew the process had begun, so I reached over to touch him and tell him I love him. Um, That was Marlene. I love you, Marlene, my good friend. Um, You know, some people start early. I had one client who told me they began to say goodbye one month prior to his death and that they spent every minute that they could with their dad um, they had long conversations, uh, even if they didn't make sense. And it helped a little bit to just talk to him, even if he was saying things that didn't make sense. They tried to answer that person. Um, you know, these are the difficult things. These are the hard, hard things that we feel like we just have to get right. We can't have their last moments be fleeting or for naught. We've got to get this right. And it's hard to do that sometimes. It is really hard to do that. So I I sent an email to a couple of my docs that I work with at University of Colorado Hospital and asked them if they could help families prepare for death, how would they do it? And one of the doctors said, I would help them accept the normal aging process and understand that even if their person had some type of dementia, they're still going to die like we're all going to die. And... Just deal with the grief as you ordinarily would. Not addressing too many coulda, shoulda, wouldas. One said, allow the grieving process to happen. Attend support groups. It's important. Um, it's, It's difficult to deal with this on your own. So try to let other people support you and lift you up through that process and let you vent and let you cry. Uh, One of them said, enjoy each visit with that person to its fullest. Utilize support systems, pastors, friends. That kind of thing can help. Maintain an ongoing open line of communication to establish the support that you think is going to be necessary when the time comes. Maybe uh, trying to get the memorial service that you're going to have. Try to put those pieces together. Like I said earlier, start pulling some some pictures together, uh, videos of them and things like that so it's not so overwhelming and you have to do it so quickly once they pass. Um, uh, one of my hospice docs said, talk to hospice. <laughs> talk about it. Um, get the logistics done the pre uh, prepaid funerals things like that um, talk to the person themselves write down what the person wants done at an early stage not at the end that's 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 really good and thank you dr. Holden for that one definitely get the get the information down so that you're not um, having to guess at the end of their life do they want to be resuscitated um, do they want a feeding tube and things like that? And have those plans prepared ahead of time. Sit down with a, with a, a lawyer. Get a will prepared before you need it. That is a big deal. I, I, I think that's just really great. Um, one I like this one. Talk to each other and be open about death. Be open about death. You can never really prepare for the death of a loved one, but you can get some peace of mind going through that process and give them peace of mind by saying, I am with you. Don't be afraid. I'll I'll stay with you. Someone will be here. If I'm not here, my son or daughter will be here. Um, if anything happens or you're uncomfortable in any way, I'll have the nurses call me. Um and, and or the caregivers call me so that I can be here for you, even if they if you think they don't understand you, they do, they do. They can hear you. I told you that the hearing uh, lasts longer than anything else, right? Um, I think I think those kinds of things are super important. So again, kind of rounding it out. If you were with this person in the final stages, how would you cope with it emotionally? How how have you been coping with it? The best thing, the best things I can tell you really is like, just take it one day at a time, right? If you're into it, prayer is helpful. Family support is helpful. Um. Think about again visiting memory lane and acknowledge that that person had a really full and good life prior to being ill. They weren't the disease. They were who they were. They were still that person. So try to try to think that through. Uh, visit every day if you need to. Take a day off if you need to. You know, maybe you just want to be with that person. That's okay but make sure you get some respite, make sure you get some health. Um help and and not just not just help to be healthy, but help to spell you for times to go get something to eat or take a quick nap or whatever it is. Okay? You can have family stay several nights until the end. I think I think if family members can come in and help you and spell you, it it just makes a big difference. Um, Making sure that person has everything they need. Do they have that ice to put on their lips? Do they have a drink? Do you have uh, the caregivers around that you need? Is someone uh, helping you through the process? Make a little checklist and kind of follow it. This whole thing is so emotional. It is so emotional, and it's it's good to have family members help you through the process. A minister to help you that can be really really helpful. Um, read some information about in stage and hospice and how how these things work together and what services are. Offered And can the nurses at the facility help you understand the things that I talked about earlier, like them becoming dehydrated or turning different shades of gray um, that are disturbing on a lot of levels? Uh, When they lose um, bodily functions, when they become very skinny or are gasping, those are hard things. And people dread thinking about it. They don't want to they don't want to um face it. They don't want to have to deal with the pain of never seeing that person again to walk outside and say they're never going to see a blue sky or a cloud that looks like it's shaped like an animal or feel a beautiful breeze in their face they're they're never going to sleep next to me again they're never going to go for a walk holding my hand i'll never hear them say i love you i'll never see them smile at me again these are painful painful things and if you can kind of turn it to it's a happy place that they're going to if you believe in heaven if you think that they're going to have a better life where they are not going to um have any more pain, they're not going to have the disease anymore, you're probably going to have a more beautiful, peaceful, loving death. If you believe that they're free at last, if you feel that they're if you feel that they're going to go and meet their maker, you know? um sometimes we have that uh that strange dichotomy of like over the last 10 years why did the lord make them suffer this way if if this person was a good person their entire life why didn't god take them sooner why you know we have those those questions and on the other hand we could say you know maybe god blessed us and and called this person home there's a lot of peace in that there's a lot of peace in that and spending time in prayer and and maybe just trying to forget your feelings and 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 try to Try to think about those good times and, and not dwell on any bad times. Cry if you need to. Cry a lot if you need to. And if you feel so inclined, ask God to give you the strength to be strong for your person. If you can. It's it's tough. It's hard to think these things through. You know, sometimes they, they'll do what you... They'll go through a process where you think they're gonna pass away, and then they don't, and then they they go through that again, and then they don't, and and you're even uh, trying to help that person sort of survive the emergency of of the the false narrative of the death, and then boom, ten minutes later they're gone. You know, it just is is really tough. And it is hard to watch that person take their last breath. Again, I think somewhere in the deep recesses of our minds, a part of us dies with them. A part of them is always going to be in our hearts. We're always going to love them. We're going to care about them. And hopefully, we can make it to a place where we have nothing but good memories of them. And you don't have to apologize for the end of caregiving as it is, because caregiving is difficult. Anybody who's cared for somebody with a dementia into the late stages knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. The caring for them is so strenuous. It's so taxing on our lives, on our health, on our sleep, on our eating, everything. And when it's finally done, sometimes you just need to exhale and say, all right, um, you know, I'm really ready to let that person go. I'm ready to let go of my role as I know it. And I did everything I could, I've loved them the best I can, and I've done everything I could possibly do. And then what happens after the person is gone? What do you do after that? You know, sometimes... We have a situation where we feel relief. We feel that that person was existing. They were not living. Um, It was painfully hard to watch them die. You remember the thoughts that the last time you were there, you thought it would be soon that they would die. You just didn't realize how soon it would be. And then, wow, then you have to start getting the funeral ready, the memorial service ready. You might do a eulogy. Um, You might sing a song. You might toast that person with a glass of Jack Daniels. (laughs) You know? Uh, You might go for a motorcycle ride. You might... Feel like you're in this routine that you have been sensitized to and you have to desensitize yourself to getting up and going to the care community every day or going over to their house and, and helping them. Um, you have to think about actually not calling the facility every day um, and, and forget that you don't have to go anymore because it's become such a big part of your life. I mean, it's such a huge part of your life. And suddenly, you know, your schedule is free. You don't have to go to the community anymore. You have no more doctor visits. You have no more sitting by their side. You have no more crying about the grief that you're feeling, at least for the day. And tomorrow, you cry your eyes out. Right? Plan those memorial services and make it fun. I never called my mom's funeral a funeral. I called it her going away party. And I really am glad that I did that. We had so much laughter. We had so much joy. At her going away party, that one of my cousins actually said she forgot for a minute she was at a funeral. Uh, people told funny stories about her and they remembered many of the wonderful giving and caring ways that she treated people throughout her life. I, with my husband and my brother Doug, we sang three songs. Uh, my mom's favorite songs, Amazing Grace, The Old Rugged Cross, and In the Garden. And that was my way of, of grieving for my mom and celebrating her life. And I remembered that even the last day of her life, I was singing to her. And she responded. She opened her eyes and she started singing. Um and she loved Ann Murray. Uh, it's really strange how somebody can be silent for a few years and then on their dying day start singing songs. It's just unbelievable. But these things happen. And once we've moved past the loss, they have expired. They are no longer with us. It's time for you to finish the acceptance part of the grief and realize that you're still here and you still have some life to live and you are going to mourn the loss of your love, that loved person that you are thinking of. But it's time for you to go to the movies again, sit and read a good book with a cup of hot tea, Sing a song. Go for a walk. Get a new pet. Get a pet that can bring more joy to your life, a dog or a cat or whatever it is, a horse. (laughs) Go out with friends. Start having breakfast or lunch or dinner with friends a couple times a week. Replace those visits to the facility or to their home. Now with instances of living and living well, And do the things for yourself that bring your life back into play, back into motion. And move on with your life. And when you least expect it, someday you're going to be brought to your knees in tears and thinking about the loss, and that's okay. But get back up, dry your eyes, and go for a nice walk or take a hot bath or whatever it takes to bring you back into the land of the living. There is absolutely nothing easy about getting a diagnosis, watching a person that you love deteriorate, taking them to the end, and telling them goodbye. There is nothing easy about it. But if you have faith, if you have a process, if you have a plan, if you have a way for you to move through it and be supported and loved by family and friends and to remember that person was not always sick with a diagnosis and you were not always their caregiver. At one point, you were their partner, you were their friend, you were their lover, you were whoever you were. And someday, maybe a few years after they passed, you remember those times again. They will come back to you. You will be whole again. You will survive this. Just remember to breathe in and out and get up every morning and take in that oxygen and do the best you can and know that I love you, my caregiver nation. I'm always thinking of you. And I will offer that if you are ever... In a difficult situation, email me at jill at srthelp.com and just let me know how you're feeling. I will answer your email, even if you're just lonely. Okay? Well, folks, I hope this has been helpful in some way, shape, or form, and I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
0: You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at Training.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.